Yeah, thanks a lot for showing up. Um, really appreciate this because I'm not like the crazy uh, senior guy, so I'm always happy and uh, people show up when I have something to tell about. Um, I, uh, yeah, I'm Christian Weiser. I uh, work for LinkedIn uh, right now, and uh, my, my talk is about 10 commandments of product management, and I talk a little bit about these different topics. I will introduce myself. Um, big focus is on horizontal versus vertical product management because I kind of went through those on two uh, sections in, in product life. Then the Ten Commandments, and then we have the Q&A section um, in the end. And feel free to interrupt me if there are any questions in between, so we can can uh, do that also. Um, so about me, I uh, started my career after university at a startup in uh, Hamburg, Germany, Fission Frontier, also based here out of Sunnyvale, the headquarter. And I uh, was uh, working there um, for a couple of years in account management, so my background wasn't an MBA or like any engineering background, I studied business in an university and I worked there um, with clients together and the clients use our technology and I was really much in contact with the product team a lot because all the German clients were really annoyed by bugs and they had all these wishes for things that they would like to do. So I was basically building up this relationship with the product team here in the US and then eventually, uh, oh by the way, Efficient Frontier, I don't know if anyone knows Kenshu or Marin Software, they're also based here in the Bay Area, so Efficient Frontier was basically the one company that made that battle. So it was a bit management technology, if you have lots of spend on Google, on Facebook, on all these uh, platforms where you buy uh, at inventory, at some point you need some technology to manage the bits and Efficient Frontier basically got acquired for like 400 million and by Adobe. And uh, yeah, those are still fighting um, this war, I think, um, I don't know. Um, so then Adobe acquired us and some people thought, why Adobe? Adobe is like this creative company and they do Photoshop, what do they want with like a bit management technology for online marketing? But not the creative part of Adobe acquired us, but the digital marketing part of Adobe acquired us. And um, I don't know if you, anyone saw these spots, I, I don't have them like in here or embedded or so, but Adobe makes these amazing advertising spots of explaining products that are super hard to get because this is like marketing software in a sense and uh, they have these pretty cool spots and you know I would I just I would just check them out if you if you have time uh, later today on the next days because they're pretty hilarious and they really like explain products that are really hard to explain really really well so Adobe then we all acquired by official uh, by Adobe and then I was still in contact with the product management team and Adobe in Germany wasn't particularly awesome and then a couple of months after, I kind of talked to my manager and told him, you know, I think I want to get into my next play and do something else. And then he said, no, you should really like stay and let's see if we can maybe do something in the US for you. And then the US product management team had an open position as a product manager um, here in San Francisco. And then they basically asked me if I wanted to join the product management team. And that was basically happening because I was in contact with them all the time. I gave them all this feedback all the time. And <laughs> it was almost hard to, to tell her, but I didn't even have to pass any interviewers. So they just asked me and said, well, called my wife. Or back then it wasn't my wife yet, but I called my girlfriend and said, do you want to move to San Francisco? And, and then, yeah, like a couple of weeks later, I had to propose. Like we got married. And then, <laughs> and then, because otherwise they wouldn't have paid for the visa and for, for the travel and all that. But we were together since seven years already. So, but it was... Um, was definitely, I think, a good step for us. Um, and we're now in, here in the Bay Area since four years. So I worked for two years for Adobe, and then I got my green card, and I thought, okay, great, now I have this opportunity of like the Silicon Valley, like all the awesome companies are here. I kind of learned the product skills from somewhat like scratch in, 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 uh, within Adobe, which was really challenging because in the org that I was working in, there was no concept of agile 
uh, uh, software development, there was no scrum, there was like nothing and uh, I was like, okay, like you do this waterfall system here, it's super weird, like my, my former manager, they would just create basically emails and I uh, hope she, she's not listening, but, <laughs> but, but you know, there was lots of stuff that like how I didn't feel like how product management should be. So I, I just, you know, taught myself a lot and went to all the different courses and these uh, agile and, and product owner classes and Adobe was offering them them also. So, um, yeah, I learned, I learned really a lot. And then basically Adobe, um, um, uh, LinkedIn then knocked on my door. Um, and yeah, so I worked at this this thing and then uh, I wanted to talk about this. So I, I was actually, what I, what, what I did at Adobe was um, I worked around Facebook ads. So Adobe has basically these two sections, right? So one is the creative cloud with all the Photoshop and InDesign and all of that. And then they had the market or still have the marketing cloud. And the marketing cloud is everything from like website tracking and uh, A-B testing. And then they bought Efficient Frontier because they wanted to also have something that acquires traffic and optimizes this traffic. And then within that part, it was called Media Optimizer. Um, there was one section that was about Facebook ads. So when you spend a lot of money on Facebook ads, you want to optimize that. So that solution for Facebook was basically the product that I was responsible at uh, for those uh, almost three years at, at Adobe. And then while I was still in Germany a couple of years back, um, I also started to organize um, a conference. So when I was in my first job at Efficient Frontier, I thought, okay, I always organize stuff. Like during high school, I organized all these parties and LAN parties and and then later on in university, like like little conferences. So I thought, hey, I'm new in this industry, online marketing is my passion. It seems so let's like organize a conference and I met a guy and we saw and he kind of did a conference the year before with like hundred people and said, Hey, I have this event, why don't we do this together? And then we started to do this conference and the conference started really small. So this is a picture from the first year or maybe the second, no, it's, I think it's actually the second year, but it was in the club where the Beatles used to play in the red light district in Hamburg. So it was really like a, like a club underground <laughs> music, like, I don't know, 60, 70 years old. And um, in the year, first year, then together, I think 500 people came and people really liked it. And then over time it grew. And uh, then the two years later, we went into uh, like a, th a theater with like two and a half thousand people. And then this year it became a little bit bigger and we had uh, 26,000 people coming uh, this year in February. And um, when I left uh, f for this job in the US, my co-founder basically said, okay, Christian, this is almost if, as if you die. We have this baby now here. So we were still like in this venue here. Okay, and now I, you go to the US, great, what, what should we do? And I said, well, let's start and hire people that do this. And because we both of us were doing this like part-time. Part now we have 40 employees. Uh, at the company and uh, next year we have probably 40,000 people coming and we have like f an inter interesting guest source, you probably know this dude. Um, we have a big trade show around the conference and um, it's like all the big uh, digital marketing companies like this is from last year actually, the picture about Google and Facebook and Adobe and all these like digital marketing uh, media companies are basically exhibiting at our trade show and it was always a lot of fun. We had really interesting speakers that was great to work with like Gary Raynard, even Sharp, Tony Hawk, Luna Peretti, lots of people here from the Bay Area. And I told my co-founder back then, I said, you know what, I live in the Bay Area so I have all this access now suddenly to all these people and it really helped like, like contacting people here on the ground and then helping on the speaker side. Lots of our partners are also uh, companies that where the headquarters are actually here in the US. So it worked out really well. I can you know usually work from like 6.30 a.m. to 9 a.m. for my own stuff. And then I go to work and work for 
uh, for yeah, today at LinkedIn. And, uh, and because it's a conference business, it's very seasonal, so not the entire year round, but especially like January, February, March, and March usually our event uh, is happening. Um, yeah, we do, we, uh, I, I, my life gets a bit crazy and not a lot of sleep. But it's, it's just fun and keeps me connected to Germany as well. And then also we always have like nice cars. So Audi is our mobility sponsor. It's always awesome. They give us only the RS models every year. So they give us like 40 cars and then every like speaker gets his own car. And so lots of, lots of fun. So this was like the venue from, from this year. And then, yeah, um, LinkedIn knocked on my door. Uh, it was last year in uh, April um, and said, Christian, it seems you are connected in Germany. And uh, it seems that you are a product manager here in the Bay Area. We have this new idea. We want to really focus on Germany because Germany is the only country in the world where LinkedIn is not the leading business network. So there's a local competitor that started about at the same time as LinkedIn. And they literally conquered the market. And LinkedIn only like five or six years ago translated the product for the first time. And this company really like focused on the market and did everything really, really right. And, and until today, they do a phenomenal job. And they said, you know, you are German, you have the network in Germany because you do this conference thing there. And then you're a product manager. So this is a perfect fit to be our product manager for Germany. And we have an engineering team now that we will set up. And then basically from there, like eight weeks later, um, my desk was suddenly in Mountain View, not in San Francisco anymore. And I took that job and it's been the greatest job I've ever had in my life. It's the best company I've ever worked for. So uh, it's, been, it's been really uh, exciting and I, we can talk more about that later. Um, so then... Six weeks later, we got acquired by Microsoft, which was awesome <laughs> because my stock package doubled in value. I had this, I had this fortunate moment that where, uh, you know, I don't know if you remember, but LinkedIn was like at $200 or so per share, and then it dropped to like 100 That's where I joined because I thought, oh, this is a great opportunity. And then literally uh, six weeks later, we got acquired for 196 So that was good. And also Microsoft is doing quite well ever since. So again, I, I'm responsible for Germany, actually also Austria and Switzerland. But in Austria and Switzerland, we overtook um, uh, our competitor um, already. And yeah, basically, it's what, what do you do in a country, right? You need to figure out what is what is different there that starts with these easy things like localization and you make sure that everything is really German but then you think about the onboarding flows and then you realize okay maybe the pricing is off and maybe you know the recruiter solution that we sell that doesn't work as well because there's a local competitor already so you suddenly you're not like this this owner of a solution anymore like before my first job I was this this vertical person on Facebook ads every day I only knew about Facebook ads basically and Instagram and Twitter but really like social ads only. And suddenly I had new like challenges every day because all these different teams came to me and said, oh, you need to fix this, you need to fix that, you need to fix that. And, and, and the prioritization and really focusing on the, the core issues that are kind of based on your, your priorities and your targets became much, much more important. So now it's only Germany. I fly there every four to six weeks. Um, so that is also part of the job that I can go back and forth and visit with, with partners and with our teams on the ground with like 60, 70 people in an office, mainly, mainly salespeople. And um, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's really exciting because they literally, tell, they literally told me, Christian, you can do whatever you want and what, whatever you think is right. Just, we just want to win this market. And our CEO is really closely connected to this because he wants to win in that market. So I have the visibility all the way high up, which is also a lot of pain because he wants these surgery reviews all the time. So you need to go in there and, and talk, to, talk to the exec uh, team and, and get additional funding. So, but overall, it's great because you have this relationship to like higher, higher organizations in the team as well. 
yeah, so this is the, the competitor I talked about. So Xing is basically the company that we are working uh, against. Uh, I'm just thinking if I should tell it that much since we are <laughs> live <laughs> casting this. So, I mean, I didn't talk about what we're actually doing. So, yeah, um, be free to reach out to me on LinkedIn if you have any questions afterwards or add me, add me on LinkedIn. Uh, there are also some interesting articles. I love our publishing platform. I don't know if anyone ever published something anyone ever wrote an article like, I write these like 10 things to know articles like clickbait stuff and so since I travel back and forth uh, a lot between um, the US and Germany uh, people always ask me like how do you overcome the jet lag if you go there like every four weeks and I basically I don't have jet lag because I follow these like rigorous processes uh, and then I, I I talked about that for example so I, I, and I, what I wanted to tell you this is that the publishing platform is actually really interesting because you get all these insights and the insights are just amazing. You see who is reading your articles, you see which, yeah, which companies add and the, the reach that I get on LinkedIn is so much bigger than what I ever saw on, on Facebook before. Um, so I, I just encourage people to you know, build up some kind of brand. Like I, I was in a talk yesterday by uh, some, some guy from Redpoint Ventures, and he said to make yourself valuable as an employee, you can do things. One is, of course, you need to perform really well in your job and easy VC. So one thing is to, you know, um, it, like get good deals on board and really perform and make mon money for the company. And the second one is to build brand and kind of build up a, reputa a reputation. And I think the publishing platform at LinkedIn is something where you can do this really well, um, where you can start writing stuff and become like an expert in, in your field. But about that's enough about me. I wanted to talk about what, uh, like, about this horizontal and and vertical uh, product management. I, I briefly touched earlier. So what does this mean? Um, vertical, as I mentioned before, right? You are like an expert in one particular field. And I would say probably ninety percent of our product management roles are more like that. Um, the, the bigger the company is, the, the more vertical you usually get. I mean, we have at LinkedIn, I think about 140 product managers and they're product managers for company pages or for a company page and for messaging or for feed relevance or for literally any part of the product. There's someone that is responsible for this particular area. This is super exciting uh, because you really own something, right? And you drive your metric and you can think about it all day. But I realized during my time at, the, uh, at Adobe that I wanted to do more. And um, actually, before I started my first job, someone employed, I also started a company myself. And during um, high, uh, high school, I also started a few little ventures. And I, I kind of always was a product manager. And as a product manager, you not only want to be like responsible for one little thing, right? You want to be like the owner, the, the general manager. And this horizontal role that I have right now where you're not responsible for one piece of the puzzle, but more for the entire like horizontal product suite in a sense. Um, it, it brings so much more opportunity because you work with so many more teams uh, together. So um, basically I have this, like what is what? So vertical, you need lots of deep knowledge, right? You are the expert in your particular field. If like at Facebook, I literally knew everything about the API. I need, need to know everything about the different ad types and what comes up. And so you're literally the expert for what you're working on. And then if you are on the horizontal side, you need to know kind of the entire stack. You need to start building connections within the company. You need to know every single product manager because you want to understand what they are doing. Are they hurting you in a sense, right? Maybe the entire company doesn't have the same targets. 
uh, like the targets that you have um, uh, in your particular region. So you need to like steer that into work with them. So there's lots of stuff that you need to do. Um, as I mentioned, you focus on one problem on the vertical side and here on the horizontal in my new job is like fixing problems basically everywhere. Like for example, we had a price issue. Like, I don't know who is a LinkedIn premium member, but premium is quite pricey. So I think, I don't know what, it, what the, the $26 or so where it starts in the US. And you know, in Germany, people are not willing to spend that much. And we realize that people buy premium and then they also churn very quickly after they found a job. And I said, well, let's try the Netflix effect. I saw that at Adobe, Adobe changed from like every three years, like a bunch of revenue to create a uh, suite where you pay like 10 bucks a month. And, and then people just almost forget that they are paying, right? And it's the same with Netflix and Spotify and all these guys. So we said, hey, you know what, we, we changed the price for premium in Germany as an entrance point to 10 uh, euros a month or 99 euros a year. And guess what happened? Suddenly people bought all the yearly skew and suddenly people didn't drop anymore and our revenue is now skyrocketing because only because we changed the price but it took me six months to convince all the different teams that were involved to really make this step right because people were afraid you know if you if you bring the revenue down that then everything is just tanking and you don't really know how the tenure really changes and you need to build up models but then you have data science support that helps you to build models and to convince people but in the end it's always like this or maybe well you know you make all these dice dice decisions and it's always funny because every single sizing that i've done ever since i work at linkedin was always completely wrong but it is still super important because it helps you to prioritize right you need to come up make some kind of assumptions and i don't know if anyone had an interview yet as a product manager but in all of interviews we ask people also would you size this and and we want to understand how people think about this and see that one product versus the other. And even though those numbers are in the end completely wrong, it's still super useful to do this. Um, vertical again, you have your team, right? So you work in that particular field. I had my 10 engineers. I actually, Adobe had, I had a few less, like six engineers. And there was almost no interaction with uh, the, the other people. And now I, I would literally work. I mean, there's like so many teams we have to, to, to work with uh, in the horizontal world. You have really complex problems on the on the vertical side. On the horizontal side, you also do lots of growth hacking. You know, there's like little things in the onboarding flow, removing certain features maybe so that people are more likely to do certain actions or changing, just changing the headline or the subject line in an email in German, increase our click-through rate for the emails by 10% because we just, we just said something like hi so-and-so in the email subject line. In the US, it was just translated to German. No one ever thought about it. So they kind of just removed it because translation is also one of these issues where people translate out of context. If you work in a big organization and you translate your product, there's usually a localization, localization manager that sits somewhere and then he gets a string and then he translates it. He gets the next string, he translates it without any context of where the string is actually going to be in the end. So going through all these different floors, using the product in German for the first time, actually, because I was always in English on, on LinkedIn. Uh, you know, you find all these little things and you test and test and test. And we have all these amazing systems where you can then, you know, just ramp up your test by one or 5% of the user base. You see what's happening and then you kind of make decisions from there. And then again, you have data science to help you to analyze those results. Um, one more here, uh, face of the product. So, at, face, at, at, at Adobe, I was the Facebook guy, basically, that was just doing that. And um, here, you're more the face of the market because 
you know, you, 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 you work you work on all these different things and I go over to Germany and I uh, speak about it and so you suddenly, the, the person also within the company and when someone says Germany, then hopefully everyone in everyone's mind uh, that is somewhat related to our project, it rings that Christian is the one that, that is working on, on this on this field. Oh, and then the last one, here the, you're the product owner and here the market owner. So it, it just completely changes your, 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 your focus, basically what you do. So the 10. Uh, I did uh, do this presentation here at Product School uh, about a year ago. Um, the same the same topic basically and then I went back to a presentation that I was I did like maybe three years ago at Adobe where I presented in front of the product team uh, what my 10 commandments are and then I thought oh you know product school knock on my door do a presentation I thought oh, I just do the same thing uh, because it was like a good list and I looked at the list and I realized it is completely garbage for my new role because it completely changed for what I'm doing now at, at, um, at LinkedIn and only then I realized this difference from the vertical to the horizontal row and I still want to show both because I think both of those lists have some meaning for, for itself. So I start with um, the old 10 commandments basically. Um, because we had some frictions in the team, especially with like the upper management, they always said they and you know they, they really spoke disrespectful of other teams so for me it was always like we are one team we are working together we are doing this and I always said it's it's us and not they and them when something went, went wrong um, we also work really closely together with engineering and we defined every sprint goal with this really really rigorous agile process in place that we we work on um, um, I always made sure that at the, at the beginning of the sprint, I would do like a presentation in front of the engineering team. This is what we're going to do together. So really like engage everyone really deeply. Um, and I don't say this is wrong, right? This is, this is just not really what I'm doing right now uh, anymore. Um, and then, yeah, get, we had a meeting every, in the beginning of every sprint where we would then get the commitments from engineering because as product, you you, you kind of make the decision, but you in the end, engineering makes the decision, right? Because you kind of come up with your ask and then engineering still needs to build it. So you tell them what you want and then they can tell you what they're able to deliver. So that's why you need to align, especially with your engineering manager, really, really strongly because he is the one that will eventually build what you request. Or you come up together with stuff as well. Yeah? Um, and then one thing also that helped me tremendously, I think over the last years is that I always had these templates uh, for anything that I create. So I always, um, uh, rather than just send an email to someone saying, hey, this and this is broken. I developed templates for this. So I, I just force myself to fill out certain things like, where is this broken? Uh, what browser did I use? Um, what were the steps to get there? Like be really precise basically. And when you report things and the same applies for PID. So these product requirement documents that you just follow a template to force yourself also to think about certain issues like Let's say for now at LinkedIn, for example, we build these, we have these partnerships. And one thing that we are very, you know, what we sometimes forget is to, to think about the tracking piece because you know, you build this, you build this landing page, but then you also want to know that like, how do you track all the different metrics? And for every partner, those metrics are slightly different. By having a template you f fill out, you, you force yourself to think about all these issues. So I just encourage everyone to always have some kind of product uh, um, PID template when you, when you write those uh, documentations. Um, yeah, and then if 
I mean, again, I don't know if, if people use Jira here, but that's probably the most used tool, um, at least in the companies that I worked at yet. So I, I just, maybe it's my German genes in me or so, but it, it, being just really rigorous about which, which fields to fill when you, just, when you decide with your team together, um, yeah, it, it just makes sense to kind of agree together what you do because it just gets way more easier. You find stuff more easier if not everyone does it every week in a different way. But of course, you can also de like develop over time. Um, then I also created a distribution list a lot. So when you have, I mean, this was our software, so we had like a couple of hundred users. Um, and then internally and externally, so I always created this DL so that I could easily reach out to people. So, so organize the way that you can get feedback, right? Especially in these enterprise software solutions, you can't just ramp something to 1% and then you like test the next day what happened. Is it Was it the right decision? When you are working in a startup or in, in, in some software, we only have a couple of hundred users. You don't have that much like analytics basically because only a few people are using the product so you mainly rely on your own guts if this is the right decision or not. At LinkedIn now I just ramp something to 1% of my users and then I see the next day was it a good or a bad decision. So and that's why I created this distribution list um, this distribution list to get these feedbacks uh, very quickly. And I always had a backlog that I groomed a lot so a backlog is basically this list of things that will come next so when engineering was done with a certain topic that they would know exactly what to work on next um, so that didn't you know in, in the end you need to unblock yourself uh, unblock your team right that's kind of one of the big uh, things that you have to do as a product manager and uh, yeah I think face-to-face -face is also super important I um, I mean even though you have all these things like blue jeans and hangouts and slack and whatnot I think just going over to someone's desk and, and talk to this person for like one minute is so much more, is so much better than like writing an email and waiting and going back and forth just takes forever. And yeah, so I, I said back then I said love Jira. Um, I know it's like a pain in the ass product from the UX. <laughs> there are so much, like so many more products like Asana for example that are so much better. But then especially in big corporations. They use Jira and you just need to get, get along with it, I would say. So that's why I said that. Was that a question? No? Okay. So my new 10 commandments. Um, number one is like really understand what's what's going on in on your region. Again, this is specifically to my job, right? Like I, I can't come up with um, 10 rules that apply for everyone, but specifically for me owning this region, I think really talking to the end customers helped me the most to understand what, what was wrong because we literally heard the same things again and again and again. And like last year when I went to Germany the first time for LinkedIn, everyone always told me, LinkedIn, you are ugly, LinkedIn, you are too expensive and LinkedIn, you're too small. So the, the, to, to, the ugliness kind of went away. I don't know if you realize, but LinkedIn mm -hmm. went through this massive shift of new UI like in January. And then the, the expensiveness kind of went away because we added a new price point and then on the growth side, we still need to work on that. But um, really understanding what they want is, is just key. Um, this empowerment and unblocking of your team, I think that's probably the biggest role in any product organization. If you make yourself almost, uh, yeah, if you if you help people, they're not waiting for you. I think that's the worst part that can happen if, if they are waiting for you. If an engineer kind of sends you a question, 
I filter all my emails in a way that whenever some engineer comes to me and wants something, that's kind of priority number one because it's expensive, right? What is an engineer's salary in the Bay Area? Like 250000 plus like all the other costs that are associated to it. So really try to do that and empower them to, to be as productive as possible. Uh, one thing that I also learned only in the last couple of weeks almost is that in the end you you are the like the I mean some people say you shouldn't say that but in in the sense you are some kind of CEO for your little product right at least that's how I feel and if you just make these like announcements and you come in with your opinion and you just say this is what we should do and you no know, this is like I know everything then people are maybe not as uh, they, they, they don't like you as much or they, they think ah, I do my own thing and then they block off so that's why they say manage by questions and not by comments because if you ask questions and people have this feeling that they found the solution themselves they're way more involved and way more engaged and they, they actually like that much better because it's like I don't know if anyone is a psychologist here my wife is a, is a psychologist and when I, when I told her about this she was like yeah it's like in coaching I don't tell people what to do I help them by asking questions so that they figure out themselves what is the right thing for them in their life and it's almost the same here I try to ask questions when they show me things and then I, I hope that they figure out themselves what the what the right solution is but through those questions you can steer people much better than just telling them what, what is wrong but you still have to give people feedback and sometimes of course there are situations where you just have to make hard calls right and it doesn't always work uh, be very clear and precise especially with engineering uh, I'm I'm kind of a very outspoken, like extroverted person. So, uh, like there are cultural clashes, there are uh, you know, like like personal differences basically. And and if you don't tell them exactly what what they want, they might build build something else, right? Especially in the PIDs, you know, if you if you just say yeah, maybe it should be like this or that, and then they build something, and then you tell them afterwards that this is what I meant. Like really be really clear and precise what you want and. Yeah, communicate openly and frequently. I think that's that is also applies for every product manager. People just want to know what's going on, and especially in bigger organizations, also this managing up part is something that I really had to learn first. Uh, like, it's it's you kind of think it's annoying, right, to always send these updates to your manager. I have to send an email to our CEO and our like leadership team every single week because they just want to know what's going on and it's super annoying I mean tonight I have to think about again what are my amazing headlines last week nothing really happened that was amazing so I have to like come up with something but still reporting like up I mean you they, they want to know what you're working on and I think that's very crucial for the success of yourself if, if you do this well um, then especially when you come as a product manager most of the times there is an engineering team already so I uh, realize that it, it makes a lot of sense to also just like listen to them and see how they are doing it, not like change everything at once, right? Even though there's maybe an agile process that you don't like as much, agile means also that you can adapt over time. So for example, Adobe, as I mentioned before, there was no agile process at all. So we started with like some kind of sprint, like let's, like, let's plan for the next two weeks. And then we said, hey, let's put this in this Jira thing and let's have a backlog. And then we did it like step by step by step. And eventually we had the exact that I really had envisioned before and it worked really really well and uh, you know that's that's something you can't do in, in like in the first week you have to uh, do this uh, step, by step, step by step get feedback I talked about this already so show show also the stuff to to other people even the PID do reviews with like peers other product managers because 
product managers usually love to give feedback. I love to get feedback at least. And uh, that's that's just uh, really helpful because usually product managers uh, yeah, want, 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 yeah, like to do that. Um, maintain a roadmap. I probably get three times a week or so a question by someone in the organization that asks me, hey, what are your plans like for Germany? I'm working on this strategy for like 2020. Can we talk about it? So it, it really helps to have like this one go-to point where you can just send people and say here and if you have more questions you you can uh, come back to me and we can certainly talk about it but I highly encourage everyone to be really clear and precise of what's coming up because it's just one investment in the beginning of the quarter somewhat and then uh, once you're once you're done with it you just save all this time rather than sending new emails uh, every single time then be very positive it's really interesting like we are trying to buy a house right now in the city and I don't know if anyone bought a house ever, but there are these frustrating times, right? You make an offer, it doesn't work, and you come into the office the next morning, and you know you kind of don't look as happy. And usually, I'm 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 usually never like in a bad mood. But if you are not in a bad mood, if you are in a bad mood, and I was in a bad mood a couple of weeks ago because we didn't get that house, um, people come to you and say, "Christian, is something wrong?" It's like, "What what happened?" It's like, "Did did they cut resources or something? Do we need to be afraid?" Right? Usually, as a product manager, you are the leader of your team, and people look up to you. Not in like, oh, he's awesome. More like, oh, he is like what he is like helping us. He's unlocking us. And if that person suddenly is sad or is like in a weird mood, then they think something is wrong. Right? So um, that's why I think this being being positive is just really important. And then the last one is my favorite one, actually. It's just get shit done. I, it's like so many people, they don't answer to emails, especially in large organizations or, you know, these little things. Just, you know, spend that hour and get out of that. Like in the first week at LinkedIn, there was, there was uh, this other team that did some machine translation for, for public profiles. And we had some issues with the standardization of titles. So we wouldn't understand if it's a, if it's a female title or a male title. And there were about 8,000 8, titles that we kind of had in this list. And then on a Sunday, I just thought, you know what? It went back and forth for like a week and like which engineer could do it. And like, can we like write some algorithm that can like make it like really smart? And I was just like, you know, fuck it. I just spent now the next five hours and just do it manually. And I mean, maybe it was not the smartest decision, but in a sense, I think it just sometimes it's important as a product manager to also just like step in and really invest the time and to be honest I never told anyone in my team hopefully no one is listening but my wife helped me as well <laughs> 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 so saying I got this little little uh, prize like from this other team that helped me afterwards but um, yeah it, I think it, that's that's really important um, so I have two more things uh, so th this these templates it's, uh, I mean, I don't know if you're on a Mac or on a PC, but on a Mac it's really easy. So there are these uh, keyboard shortcuts. So what I do is basically, I, uh, whenever I just type bug one, two, three, um, then this template comes up automatically. And the same with PID. So I just write PID one, two, three, and then I just press enter wherever I write this in Jira or so, then it directly or Confluence or Google Docs or so, then it just comes up right away. And then it forces me to just go through all these steps that I mentioned earlier. So I like that one. And then the last one uh, is this um, this article. I don't know if some of you read that already. It's pretty old. It's from like 2012. But I read this every couple of months again because I like it so much. And then I look around and see, okay, who of the product managers around me is a good product manager and a bad product manager. At LinkedIn, I did not find a single bad product manager, I have to say. It's, it's tremendous. The level of intelligence around you is just unbelievable. 
and I always feel like the dumbest person in the room, and I think that's the best thing that can happen to you. If you are somewhere and you have, the, have this feeling all the people around you are way more smarter than you are, then I think that's, that's the best feeling. But uh, the link is there, you probably can also Google it, but highly recommend reading that. Uh, and that's already it, so thank you. We can open up for questions. Uh, they actually, because we were so successful, start testing this now. So check on mobile. Maybe you're in the treatment group. Um, so they test 99 euros per year on mobile. Um, maybe not yet, but in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, two questions. First one, can I sign up for the German LinkedIn and get their price and then just use it in the <laughs> <laughs> We built mechanisms that prevent that. Yeah, that was that was no, that was one of the, the things that people were really afraid about. So, um, yeah. Uh, earlier in your presentation, you mentioned that uh, as as the PM, you are kind of like the CEO of the product. What do you envision is the definition of a CEO when you say that? Yeah. So that's why I was kind of hesitant to say that because. Uh, <laughs> It always feels a little bit like, oh, I'm the, the boss and, you know, the CEO is in the end, essentially the person that can make the last decision. And as a product manager, you are you are not, right? I don't have a single direct report. Uh, I may have another product manager in the future as my report, but you are not the boss as a CEO. You can actually make the last call. As a, as a product manager, you need to build up these relationships because you have all these dotted lines, right? So I have dotted lines to engineering, to data science, to the business analytics teams, to the marketing team, to the sales team, so to all the different parts of the organizations. So it, that's, that's why I said some other people say that something you like, like the CEO, but in a sense, I feel like it because I envision what we have to change and I'm driving this forward with all force I can. And of course, I have these issues where I tell people based, I literally walk through the organization all day long and tell them, hey, this, this sucks. Uh, your product sucks for Germany, we need to fix it, but I bring engineering along and together we can make it really awesome for Germany. So it is it is some kind of leading role, but with like uh, like some downsides and you, you, you have the, one thing I was also say, I say, you have the authority, uh, you have the responsibility, but not the authority in many cases. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I only was a PM in the Bay Area at Adobe and at LinkedIn, right? And um, I think in general, I interviewed with a bunch of companies while I was interviewing for my next uh, next play. And I interviewed with um, Google and with Airbnb and, uh, and with GoDaddy and like a couple of other companies. You know, you, you, I always recommend people to do this leverage game before I answer your question. But I, I kind of divided companies into C, B and A companies. So you go to the C companies to train, then you try to get an offer. You go to the B companies also and kind of try to get like two offers and then you go to the A company and then you tell them, hey, I have like an offer here from this company and then they, you make yourself really valuable that way. So um, I, I, I didn't play my cards too bad. I also didn't have to renegotiate, but it really helped me to train first with like the, like the lower tier. Um, and at least to, for me personally, the lower tier companies. And then, of course, it's really hard because you need to do all of this at the same time. So I, I kind of got lucky that it worked out in a sense. But to answer your question, 
LinkedIn is a very product driven company. When I joined, our CEO was the head of product also, and uh, he does not have any crazy like engineering degree or so. So it, it was never, I think I never heard anywhere within LinkedIn where they said, oh, you need to have a computer science degree. You need to do an MBA in Stanford or Harvard or something like that. And my university degree is like a, like a little bachelor from a German university that no one ever heard about probably. It's also only a three year program. So technically I don't even have a bachelor in the US. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, LinkedIn is, um, so from that sense, very product driven. So the product managers have kind of, it's like the strongest organization in the company. Whereas Google, I had more the feeling of engineering or even also at Facebook, um, engineering is more driving it. And um, yeah, I mean, what else can I say? It's just the people around me, they inspire me every single day. And uh, I love working with all these different product managers together. And uh, everyone is just super open and positive. And it was interesting at Adobe, I, I was not allowed to talk to other product managers from other organizations to build something together. And at, at LinkedIn, my boss on my first day said, Christian, here are the 100 product managers that you should meet in the first six months and should build a relationship with because that's the most important piece as a product manager. You need to have the relationships with all these people. And I, I just, like, I, I was like in a different world. Like, before, I would always come home and like, complain to my wife, say, oh, this happened again. And ever, ever since I worked at LinkedIn, she always tells me, Christian, you're like a different person. I come home every night and tell her, like, how amazing my day was and who I met. And so I, I mean, Maybe they're also, it's always a part of organization where you really have all the insights into, right? But it, I, I, I just love working there. Yep. When you, when you think about metrics, uh, how well do your metrics for North America or the US translate to Germany? Not at all. So do you, so do you not compare them at all? No, uh, that's the hardest part actually in my job because we have a completely different target in the US. Uh, so we talk, we have this uh, true north metric, right, what every new company or new startup or whatever talks about. And LinkedIn kind of is big enough almost in the US. We almost have every professional in the global workforce almost, right? Like everywhere in the world, we have all the people that we really want. And of course, there are new segments that you can go into, like say healthcare, for example, is a segment where we don't have such a strong footprint or everything that is on the on the blue color side there's lots of opportunity for us but overall the strategy of the company is, is different globally we have we think more about engagement we think about our content strategy how can we make linkedin a daily use case right linkedin if you i mean in the past it was a use case every three years when you were like annoyed by your boss you would go there update your resume online and then you would you know uh, <laughs> spend a couple of weeks there buy premium for three months and then leave again and now in the US and everywhere in the world, basically, this is not the, the focus is this engagement piece, basically, you get more engaged users. And I mean, not only because I work at LinkedIn, I at least tell myself, I literally open LinkedIn now more than I open Facebook because the content that I see and my feed is so much better, all the, the news that I see. And in Germany, we're not there, right? The network isn't as big. Um, people are not as mature. They, they, don't, they don't follow the publishers. So, I have completely different targets and that's the hardest part because the entire company is driving towards engagement. So they say, ah, oh, address book upload. We don't need that anymore. Let's remove it. So what does that mean for us? Suddenly our signups drop by like 60% from one week to the other. So we have to fight against these things and I have to tell people and make all these exceptions. And, and uh, the good thing is that Germany in this case is a strategic market. So I can always say, yeah, but it is Germany and that's why we can do it. But it is, 
that's the hardest part basically that like, I have different targets and, and the you rest of the world. And I just repeat myself again and again and again, and eventually everyone knows <laughs> why. Yeah? So, uh, uh, the functions for playing John, yeah. uh, you have to idea that your time should never work. You think anything is the best platform to find new hires? And I hear from people, they rarely find a good position there. Basically, yeah. it's becoming like a CRM now, at least that's my experience. Yeah. Uh, yeah so I think it's very easy there are two different ways of finding new people one is post and pray right so you have a job offer you post it somewhere and you hope that someone is like looking for you no but hold on but that is that is still even at, at LinkedIn you can post and pray your jobs but the other thing is active sourcing. So we have these tools at LinkedIn where you can, you know, I'm not looking for a job right now because I'm like super happy. I'm super excited what I'm doing. I really want to kill that market. So, but still maybe there's another company that, you know, finds wants exactly my skills and they search in our software and they say, we want someone that speaks German and we want someone that, uh, you know, has skill A, B, and C, and then my profile pops up, and then they, this recruiter writes me on LinkedIn, say, "Hey, I found your profile on LinkedIn," and this is how they found me, actually, right? Like LinkedIn used our own recruiter solution to find me. They contacted me, and then eight weeks later, I started. No, well, yeah, but I was not connected with. I was not connected with anyone. Um, at, at LinkedIn before. So, I don't know. Maybe I don't understand the question uh, correct. But, but what do you mean with results? So, did, did no one apply to your job posting? or? Yeah, but that's what I mentioned. You posted stuff and then some dudes applied. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you go into our software you search for people, you proactively approach them, even though they are not looking for a job right now, maybe. And then we have these features where you can say, I am actually open for job offers, right? You can go into your LinkedIn profile and can say, I'm actually open. And then only recruiters can see this. And that's how, you know, in the talent war of today, basically, the people that are searching for jobs are usually the ones that are maybe, you know, they're not happy, they are not excited about what they do, maybe they're not the best ones. Um, the ones that are actually really happy, those are the ones that you want, and then you need to like try to approach those guys and make a good offer, and then they may come. At least that's at least what we are seeing in the industry. That that's kind of where the market is shifting towards. So, yeah, in, in the back there. Um, no. Um, so I, I was supposed to repeat the questions. You were supposed to remind me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, no, we have, uh, so the question was how many PMs are at LinkedIn. Uh, I don't know exactly, but I think they are about 150. So, my question was, how do you guys make sure you're not stuck on each other's products while still creating a cohesive experience? Yeah, so how do we uh, don't step on each other's products? So, I step on other products all the time <laughs> <laughs> because I need to change them for us. Uh, but in the end, I mean, 
we are also very we are a very structured solution right we have our talent solution we have our sales solution we have our learning solution we have we have our marketing solution so all of these have their own vps and then you have like some director or group product manager underneath and then you know this this reporting up works really well. for example we have this ramp email that anyone in the product org that ramps any kind of feature always sends an email to all product managers. So I get about like 10 emails per day that talk about, oh, we ramped this particular feature today. And then, you know, you kind of stay in the loop uh, that way also. Um, but it's again, like reporting basically what you're doing and that through that it works really well. Yeah. Um, if you could give one piece of advice or several pieces of advice to college students hoping to become product managers, yeah. um, whether in tech companies or in other kind of corporate environments, what would you say are the most important skills? Yeah, yeah it's, uh, so LinkedIn has something pretty cool that is called uh, uh, APM program, Associate Product Manager program. I think most of the bigger tech companies have similar programs. Um, so we hire, unfortunately I have to say, mostly people from Stanford, Harvard, those kind of universities for these programs. Um, so getting into the big companies right out of university is probably challenging. Um, I think the best part is definitely to do internships uh, in this field, uh, do something by yourself and be the product manager. Um, what else? I mean, I didn't even know that this role as product manager existed when I was in Germany because in Germany we didn't really have product managers. Most companies don't have that there. I mean, it kind of moves into this direction now as well, but it's not something that was very common. Uh, and I just acted as a product manager basically because I just had this intrinsic uh, motivation of like telling people how things could be better in a constructive way. Uh, I actually wanted to get into consulting when I was in university and my grades were just too bad that they wouldn't take me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what would you say are the most important skills to learn? Um, yeah, uh, so it's, it's a bit hard to depend on, depending on what product role you have, right? I mean, some people, and we heard about these other courses that the product school does. Uh, so my manager, for example, always tells me, Christian, need to be more analytical. Um, that's also something I really have to work on more and more, and I already do. But if you just say, oh, I think we need to change this product because it's not great, right? then no one will listen to you. But if you start with, in Germany, Germans receive half as many emails as in the UK, and the emails that they receive are 80% out of a different country and not from Germans. Then, uh, and these numbers are made up, right? But uh, th then uh, we need to change the, this product in this direction. And then, if you kind of always back your assumptions and wishes up with numbers, um, I think that tremendously helps, especially in organizations that are very data driven. So, I would really try to understand how how you can be analytical with like like still creativity in mind. So I think that's probably a very important skill. And then what else? I mean, talking in front of people is something that you always have to do all the time, but you learn that in any university program, I guess, anyways. So that, that probably helps. And then maybe what else? Um, I don't be curious. I was always curious as a kid. I always wanted to press every single button. You know, it's like <laughs> I think, but I also don't know if you, this is a skill you can really learn. It's probably something that you have in you or you don't. Um, but yeah, probably it's probably. It. I still don't repeat the questions like in the back. Yep. 
with a with a you you want with a hand. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I have two questions. Uh, first question is uh, you talked about the cultural differences in uh, different countries and you have to know your market and also your uh, customer. So how does how do you plan or how does since you are in charge of uh, Germany, uh, Austria and Switzerland, how do you plan or how do you see the market changes in these three countries? In which sense, you mean, with changes? Uh, in the sense you said that the German price point was 10 euros. Yeah. Do you expect to see the similar kind of behavior in both Austria and uh, Swiss? Because Swiss has a different currency. Yep, yeah, yeah. They have Swiss francs, which are more expensive. Yep. So, is it similar behavior or is it... So, are you, so the question is basically if, if, the, if the behavior in uh, Switzerland, Austria and Germany is the same? Yes, are they different? Yeah. Yeah, um, so Switzerland, for example, we didn't change the price because they have enough money. <laughs> um, and uh, Austria, I, so we we are, um, so we don't have to, let's say like this, we don't have to focus on Austria and Switzerland because we basically won in these markets already. Uh, so that's why anything that we do is really only focused uh, on like the German market. Yep. So, do you have any roadmap for Germany as well? Because Linda, that would require tremendous effort. Yep. You have to translate all the posters into German yep. and you know other languages. Yeah. No, it's a really, really good question. So the question is how we uh, translate or how we uh, launch new products that we have in the U.S. into like international markets. Uh, for Linda. We or Linda acquired Video to Brain, a German Austrian company, actually, shortly before they got acquired by LinkedIn. So we have a couple of thousand courses actually in German already. So that's why that product exists uh, in, in in Germany as well. Can you repeat that, please? Which company did you acquire? Video to Brain was uh, was a, was the name in, in in Austria. So it's a German Linda basically. And all these other products, and also we have product, way more products like our Celery Explorer. I don't even know if you guys know about this. Uh, you can look up celeries like, like Glassdoor basically, right? Uh, just with real celeries. And, and, um, uh, or ProFinder is another tool that we have in the US that we don't have right now in Germany. And those are things that I have to fight for and work with those product teams and tell them, hey, I think this is an amazing product or this mentor product that you mentioned earlier. How, how can we roll this out? And most of the time we test things first in the US and we want to make them as a company probably first successful here and then we roll them out. Or the other way around as well. I build certain solutions in the German market like this price point test and we realize it works really well. So now we may, I mean, we definitely roll this out somewhere on mobile, I believe. Um, and or the India team, for example, they built this LinkedIn Lite solution. I don't know if you checked this out, but our LinkedIn app is, I think, about 160 megabytes or something. So that's a lot of ask for for one app on your phone. And so the India team said, our bandwidth isn't as big. We need to build something that is really, really small and maybe does not support every single use case. So that app is only one megabyte big. And that is super fast you know if you if you if you open that app it's like boom right there and the feed works like super fast 
and they realize, okay, this is a use case that can work like in all these, in, like in Africa everywhere, or in China, or we thought about, should we do this in Germany? We said, well, our bandwidth is pretty good, so uh, we, we don't have that problem uh, as much, but yeah, it's, that's one of the challenges that we have, because of course, then people hear about it, they read about it online, right? These days, you can't really hide anything, so it's, it's immediately everywhere. And uh, then we need to think about how we can how we can bring these products to other markets. And what are the changes or what are the products exclusive to the German market? Um, nothing really. Um, I mean, we only do this since a year now, so we have the price change, and we have a bunch of stuff like like, like one feature, for example, that we build for the German market that we also roll out globally is um, daytime optimization for when we send emails out. So when you upload your address book and you invite your contacts, if, if you do that like at 10 p.m. in the evening on the Tuesday, the conversion rate isn't as high as if we were to wait with these emails until the next day in the morning because we know in Germany between 7 a.m. and 9 a.m. the best conversion rates for, for LinkedIn for some reason happens. So that's for example a solution that we built. Um, we just wrote it out a couple of weeks ago and now we deploy this globally. So that lots of these little small features um, that we we kind of invented in a sense to drive growth in, in Germany and and we always try to we actually also build everything in English first and then we translate it also to German and then we can ramp it elsewhere as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. I have only one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for your new pricing strategy in Germany. Did you go out and validate your assumption before talking to your team or your upper management, or did you do it after? No, sure. So that was the, the six-month project, right? So first I tried to just work with a product manager that is responsible for the pricing, like my level. And they said, oh, no, we think it's not great. And then I, I tried the manager above, and they were also like, yeah, but there's a high risk, and is there not another way, and can we not like add maybe more features to the existing price point? And I said, no, I really need this low price point because that's our, also the range that people are just used to paying uh, for like professional networking. And then I went the other way around and asked the VP first and told him about my vision. And then from there, it kind of trickled down and then it, it, it actually happened. But we had to build all these models. So we had to like basically make all these assumptions and build like a really complicated Excel sheet <laughs> that would show us how much more or less revenue we would make and turned out to be completely wrong and it's much better than what we anticipated. Um, but yeah, we had to do all these steps before. Yeah, so uh, maybe in the back with a red shirt. Yeah, it's a good question. So in my first job, um, I didn't, so we call these also sometimes program manager or technical program manager, TPM, like the pro project managers. So in my first job uh, as a program manager at LinkedIn, I didn't have one of those. Um, so I had to do that role as, as well. So now in my new job at LinkedIn, I have a pro program pro project manager. And so the difference, first of all, you make more money as a product manager. <laughs> and, uh, no, but also, um, so the, the project management is, is less, uh, almost no, like, like coming up with new projects yourself. You know, you kind of work on what someone else plans. So a good example is we have all these partners that we work together. So, for example, 
there's a university in uh, in Hamburg that we partner with. They give like premium for free to all their students for a year. And now we roll this out to a bunch of other universities as well. And someone needs to kind of collect all the uh, assets like that, uh, you know, every university gets his own landing page with the logo of them. So the project manager is more now the, the person that actually does the, like the hard annoying pieces basically. And then also he is there to like, con like set up the meetings, uh, make sure that, uh, that the notes are taken down and, and that the notes afterwards are distributed. It doesn't mean that he always has to take the notes, but he kind of makes sure to keep progress. He, he runs around to all the different engineers and makes sure that they do uh, what they told that they would do in the next two weeks. And then they, he helps to generate the feedback from them and kind of helps me and reports stuff to me. So it's one of my dotted lines basically as well. But it's, it's more... Uh, yeah, project management where uh, rather than in inventing or coming up with new ideas even though the pro project manager can also have ideas right but it's, it's more, he, he like, at least how i see the pro uh, project managers that i work with they usually are more hands-on uh, rather than having you know like some idea of what to do next Does that makes sense well here in the phone Yeah, so I, I, I never saw the cards actually working out like 100%. <laughs> uh, yeah, in real life. So when I did these trainings uh, as like product owner and, and product manager agile trainings and whatnot at Adobe, it, it worked pretty well because we had this like perfect world of no external influences. We were supposed to build like a legal, uh, like a Playmobil theme park with like straws and scissors and paper and whatnot. So. Um, that worked really well with the points because there was no no customer that was suddenly screaming or no 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 bug that came up and so uh, so we 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 did almost everything on this like agile manifesto at adobe where we really followed like we had a really organized backlog and everything and and at linkedin it's a little bit less um less rigorous i would say and it also depends a little bit how self-motivated engineers are probably or in general the entire team if you have pe all people together that all want, they all go forward and they all want to kill it then you, you don't you don't have to kind of monitor them so closely right because people are self-motivated that's also one of the big things i also see working at linkedin that you have all these people that you know you, you discuss something and then the next day it just happened 